This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, September 1st, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellums. Today, belonging in Northwest Arkansas. You're bringing all this energy, all this excitement, all of these wonderful people together with new people and people who have, you know, been doing this work for years. And we're all coming together to celebrate how this, you know, this welcoming and, 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 and belonging in the work that everyone's doing working toward a more inclusive region. Plus, young actors working at Arts Live, a 40-year tradition. It's really about us growing together with our young people and um, us teaching what we know, but it's also, as far as being received, we we need to make sure that we are um, respecting and fulfilling uh their needs. And our Friday regulars Michael Tilly and Becca Martin-Brown will work to get us up to date. First, the news from NPR. KUAF and John Brown University present Voices and Votes panel discussion Thursday, September 7th from 630 to 830. This live event takes place at the Simmons Great Hall on the John Brown University campus. It will include a panel discussion led by KUAF's Kyle Kellams with leaders in political engagement in Northwest Arkansas, followed by a Q&A and a chance to preview the Smithsonian Voices and Votes exhibit. This event is open to the public. For more, search Voices and Votes on Facebook. KUAF is supported by its contributing listeners and by the Arkansas Podcast Collaborative, presenting Arcast Podcast Festival September 20th and 21st, where guests can hear from Arkansas podcasters as well as national experts, including the School of Podcasting and PRX, producers of shows like This American Life, Snap Judgment, and Reveal. More at ArkansasPodcasters.org. This is Ozarks at Large for the first day of September 2023. I'm Kyle Kellams. Thanks for being with us. This is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Let's strategically talk about some of the events that happened over the past seven days with Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics. Hello, Michael. Well, hello, Um being just a farm boy from Johnson County, I don't know if I can strategically talk, but I will do my best. Well, let's begin with uh, some strategy that didn't go Crawford County's way. There has been a reporting, a, a tax election reporting error that could be costly. Just how costly? Yeah, and I shouldn't have laughed there a little bit because it's not funny. It's not funny at all. Um, so back in spring of last year, um, Crawford County held a, an election, special election, to renew um, their 1% sales and use tax, countywide tax. Um, and it's divvied up to the cities and to the county based on population. Very same thing that Sebastian uh, has, Sebastian County has. Well, what you have to do, we've learned, um, is when you do that, you have to file all the paperwork with the Arkansas Department of Finance Administration because they have the responsibility of uh, notifying all of the businesses, everyone, not just in Arkansas or in that county, but around the world who has done or may do business mm. in the county, that this is the tax rate. So when, you know, if you're living in, in um, Alma and you order something off Amazon, well, Amazon has to know what that tax, what your tax rate is in not only your city and county, but state, all that has to get added up. Well, somewhere along the lines, and we will do some more reporting on this, but because um, we talked to former 
County Judge Dennis Gilstrap. He said it wasn't his job to file paperwork. He got the election held. He did his job, according to what he said. And we have left messages. And I, and I think at the time we're recording this, I think uh, Judge Chris Keith, the current Crawford County Judge, has called back our reporter. And hopefully we'll explain to her what what happened. But So they didn't get this filed in time. And by the time they did file it, because the again, Arkansas Department of Finance Administration requires a 90-day lead time to get the notices out, which means this tax uh, will not – it'll end uh, at the end of this month, today, I guess, or yesterday, um, and will not be collected again until January 1st. That's about a $3.5 million loss, probably more uh, to the county. Uh, we talked to Alma Mayor. Um, Joe Finch, uh, who, excuse me, Jim Fincher, not even close, Alameda Mayor Jim Fincher, he expects the city will lose about $250,000. That's over 6% of his budget. Um, and so there, you know, he told us, he, his quote was, it's a serious chunk of the annual budget. Um, and he said they're just going to have to watch, you know, close everything up for those last mm-hmm. three months. Or not physically close it up, but right. no extra spending, just really watch everything tight. Um, and so I, you know, the good news is the tax will begin again, January 1st, but, um, a lot of cities are, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hardship, a serious hardship for a lot of counties over essentially a, a, a snafu reporting snafu. So I talked to Scott Harden, he's spokesman for the Arkansas Department of Finance Administration. Um, it was so, this is so uncommon. In fact, he is, and he hasn't gotten back to me yet, but he's trying to track down at some point a long time ago, a city did this, forgot to report. But, you know, typically, mm. you know, people file the paperwork. So this is very, very uncommon. But uh, the biggest hit is going to be with Van Buren. And we're doing a follow-up story with, with uh, Mayor Hurst um, there because they, they received, obviously, Van Buren being the largest city in the county, received the largest amount from the tax. So, and a lot of their tax proceeds went to their capital improvement project. So, you know, I don't know if it will delay, uh, or maybe they've got enough money in reserve. They can continue on. I don't know, but we're hopefully we'll get that information from them. Well, more money in Crawford County. Uh, the Alma public library has been approved for a $10,000 grant to, uh, improve accessibility so people can of, of all sorts of abilities can get into the library. But it took a special meeting because that grant from the American Library Association had been put on hold. What was happening there? Well, um, I, don't, I don't know how to get into this and <laughs> be polite about it. I, um, so, yeah, the, the American Library Association um, approved the $10,000 grant um, to... For the, so the Alma Public Library could put in um, handicap-accessible doors. Well, a couple of the members of the Crawford County Quorum Court somehow got it in their head that if they accepted the American Library Association money, it would have strings on what they could and couldn't do with books. And if, by way of reminder, Crawford County is at the, the Crawford County Library System because they decided that Certain books, primarily uh, LGBTQ books, aren't to be, you know, in public. They have to be hidden in what's called a special section. Um, 
you know, in fact, they recently lost a lawsuit, um, and the American Library Association was a part of that lawsuit, suing uh, along with many other groups, suing the Crawford County Library System and the state of Arkansas. That's another story. But anyway, a couple of these quorum court members just got it in their head. They thought if they accepted this money, it would put strings on the books, what they couldn't couldn't do with the books. And golly, you know, we can't let that happen. We'd rather just the folks in the wheelchair just have to find another way in the building, I guess. Um, but um, cooler heads prevailed. Uh, Eva White, interim director of the Crawford County Library System, said, no, it doesn't come with strings attached. It's it's from the Libraries Transforming Communities Grant, and it's just for physical um, uh, improvements and and helping uh, bring buildings into compliance with Americans with Disabilities Act um, is part of that, which maybe there's another story there that the Crawford County Quorum Court ought to be more interested in building their public facilities that aren't yet in compliance with the ADA, but that's, like I said, another story. But anyway, long story short, they approved it. The grants will go in. The door will be fixed. But this is just another, I guess, unfortunate example of where these culture war politics interfere with just common sense efforts to improve facilities. It should be pointed out after at the regular quorum court meeting, it was put on hold at the special meeting. It was unanimously approved. Yes, except the $10,000 grant. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you said, yeah, it was after after they figured out there were no strings attached, everybody was on board. And the uh, Fort Smith Convention and Visitors Bureau looking west for uh, a new leader. Who is she? Um, Ashley Backert, um, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that name correctly because we just got the press release and I haven't talked to Storm or anyone about how to pronounce her name, but she comes from Tulsa. She's um not necessarily necessarily from Tulsa. She's worked around the country, primarily on the East Coast, but um, she has been part of the uh, Tulsa tourism effort. Um, uh, She was one of three finalists, and apparently they had several interviews. Um, They even brought folks from around the city to talk to these folks, and uh, apparently she uh, drew the uh, the nod. She will – uh, begin in September. Uh, our base salary will be about 132000 uh, We'll lead a staff of four. Um, this has been, you know, I've talked to Storm Nolan. He's head of the A&P Commission, which, you know, manages the uh, Fort Smith the Convention Visitors Bureau. And he's been very uh, focused. He's felt that, um, or he's believed that, um, you know, with the Marshalls Museum coming online and just more things happening in the Fort Smith Metro, that it was not a good time um, to not have leadership. He and he was focused. I had some several conversations with him, and he is. Um, and, and it's been a pleasant surprise to hear the AMP chairman talk like this. But he has just been adamant about bringing in a, an aggressive person who is going to move kind of beyond the traditional, maintain the traditional, but move beyond the traditional in terms of promoting not just Fort Smith, but the entire region. So um, Ashley's been given that nod. We'll, uh, she's got high expectations. Um, so we'll, we look forward to hopefully we'll get a good set-down interview with her when she's got a few weeks under her belt, and we'll learn more about her. All right. Finally, finally, Razorbacks, Catamounts in War Memorial Stadium. Uh, noon kickoff tomorrow. What do you think? 
Um, I think I'm going to have to look up what a catamount is. Um, I forgot. I think I used to know, but I forgot. But um, if Arkansas does not win this game, it's going to be a long season. But we a ex- long, depressing season. I mean, but we do easily expect them to win this. Well, I thought they were going to beat Toledo a few years okay, back. Well. <laughs> By the way, a catamount is a wild animal of the cat family, especially a cougar or a lynx. Okay. All right. <laughs> we have. I, I thought it maybe it was something you got up on it, used to get up on a cat. I didn't know, but that's oh, good enough. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Well, Michael Tilly and I will discuss what happens between the Razorbacks and the Catamounts <laughs> and much more next week. Michael, have a happy and safe Labor Day weekend. Hey, you as well, sir. Liz had found the love of her life, but there was a hitch. Her friends didn't believe he existed. She said, I believe that Sergio is who he says he is, and I'm not interested in what someone else thinks. How our desires can overpower reality and keep us from seeing the world clearly, this week on Hidden Brain from NPR. Hidden Brain, tomorrow afternoon at 3 and Sunday morning at 6 on 91.3 KUAF. And you can also listen by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF. Ahead on this Ozarks at Large, working for a welcoming Northwest Arkansas. So really belonging is about the fit between yourself and and your community and, and what's around you. You know, and when you feel like you belong, you feel emotionally connected, you feel welcomed, you feel included, you feel satisfied in your community. That's just ahead on today's show. Attention KUAF listeners, your favorite monthly concert series, The Lunch Hour, highlighting local artists and local restaurants is taking the stage and receiving national recognition, all on NPR live sessions, from the hard-hitting raps about Searcy, Arkansas by Eddie Canyon to the beautiful electronic classical music by Amos Cochran, not to mention great conversations from artists, restaurant owners, and many more. See some of your favorite local artists sharing a platform with artists like Leon Bridges, Saba, and more. Experience the energy, passion, and talent that's putting Arkansas on the national map. And don't miss out on this extraordinary opportunity to support local music and celebrate KUAF's newfound national recognition. All you have to do is go to NPR Live Sessions and search KUAF. That's NPR slash Live Sessions and search KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. The state of Arkansas will receive more than $2.1 million to provide further support for community efforts to prevent drug overdoses. The money is coming from the CDC and is designed to help the state expand harm reduction strategies, including distribution of naloxone and fentanyl test strips. The Scott Family Amazium is receiving a $2 million gift from Walmart and the Walmart Foundation. The money includes a half-million-dollar grant to refresh the museum's look of the market exhibit. $1.5 million will provide funds for an exterior that can be used as a place for patrons to gather and socialize. State and federal officials are signing a new agreement with the government of Mexico to help ensure safety of at-risk workers. Representatives from the U.S. Department of Labor and the Mexican consulate in Little Rock signed new worker protection agreements in a ceremony at the state capitol yesterday. Daryl Bassett is the secretary of the Arkansas Department of Labor and Licensing. He says the goal is to promote a larger dialogue around safety and workers' rights. 
Again, this is an agreement that's going to go further than just our economic development and our workforce development efforts. It's an agreement that's going to facilitate training, training of both our workers and our industry to enhance the safety of the workplaces in Arkansas. The agreement will allow state and federal agencies to work alongside the Mexican consulate to promote outreach to at-risk workers. It will also seek to better inform employers about their responsibilities to ensure worker safety under rules set by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA. I'm Maria Hinojosa, this week on Latino USA. The story of two Guatemalan asylum seekers and how a punishing court system has turned their lives upside down. Please take notice that I've been in prison for seven months and my wife is about to have a child. Sir, I do take notice of that. I'm sorry your attorney didn't. That's this week on Latino USA. Latino USA, Sunday afternoon at 3 on 91.3 KUAF. You can find our entire weekend schedule listed at KUAF.com. You can find an entire month's worth of activities inside what is called Welcoming Week NWA. The 2023 version of Welcoming Week NWA officially kicks off one week from today at the Jones Center in Springdale. Welcoming Week is intended as an intentional collection of events to affirm the importance of being a welcoming and inclusive place. Yesterday, I talked with two of the architects of Welcoming Week NWA, Margot Lamaster, the executive director of Engage NWA, and Monica Kumar, a belonging and inclusion strategist with Engage NWA. We talked about this year's approach to Welcoming Week. Margot says there have been Welcoming Week activities in Northwest Arkansas for about nine years. But just over the last three years, we have leaned in a lot more heavily to this and have just seen tremendous growth and number of partners participating, um, organizations that want to sponsor the work. Um, so much so that, I mean, you see how packed the it's no longer just welcoming week. It's, you know, it's really welcoming month right now. And, you know, we're, we're going to be having conversations about how do we take it beyond the month because there's just simply too much to do uh, during that short amount of time. And we have seen the response from the community, um, so much excitement, so much enthusiasm and a way for people to tangibly get involved in very intentional ways um, and Really, you know, this work is happening year round and this is a celebration of that, but it's also a way to get new people involved who have not been involved before and to continue to grow partnerships um, and relationships across the region and across our diverse communities. Monica, Margo just mentioned it's year round. The idea is is belonging and involvement. What sort of conversations happen between, you know, the end of the, quote, official welcoming week one year and the official beginning of it the next. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think that at Engage NWA, we always saw year three as incredibly pivotal. Um, so we, you know, we really, we really ramped up our work during um, COVID to build connection in the community during isolation. And most of that was virtual. Last year, we started experimenting with what does it look like in real life? And that became incredibly robust. This year, we just like you said, we're incredibly excited and also humbled by how many organizations, individuals, community leaders uh, support and want to engage with welcoming um, and belonging. And, you know, it, it's a dichotomy for me and it's a tension that I hold because, um, you know, 
uh, you know, recent recent um, data shows that 74% of people, Americans, don't feel like they belong in our communities. And I think that we're seeing um, we're seeing a, a a real need to want to belong and want to engage. And I think that's showing up in our work. And so that has been something that has sat with me very deeply uh, over the past, you know, six months, year, and definitely want to think about year four. Next year is an incredibly pivotal year for what is it? You know, I think we want to be more strategic and more thoughtful and think about belonging as a as a from the get go as a strategic imperative, um, because I think people in our community want it, um, and it reflects you know what people across America feel, which is um, a, a true sense of isolation and disconnection, um, and 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 belonging really addresses that. So, Margot, as as you're putting together the, you know, the sort of official uh, uh, agenda of what's going to happen. What do you think about and, 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 and who do you reach out to to make sure that you try to make as many people feel uh, involved as possible? Well, that's something that we work to build on every year. I mean, when you think about the team um, as Monica and me, and we have you know, that's can it's 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 the two of us who are the, primarily doing the work. Um, so we're we're going to miss people, um, and we don't want to do that. So it it takes every year of building on of growing um, the network and of those partners involved. And really, what we want the message to be is, um, you know, we're a small but mighty team. So you know, come to us, reach out. If you want to get involved, here's a clear way. Go to our website, submit your event. We want you there. We, we're just trying to work more on the, the on on getting the message out there and, and, and asking our existing partners to reach out to others in your network because we want to we want to grow the movement and grow the, the number of, of everyone involved. And 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 if we and if 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 you don't feel in, invited or included, that's not intentional, and we are we're learning from that too. I mean, we have received feedback in 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 the past. Oh, I didn't. I why didn't I receive an invitation? Well, we're that's why you know when we're talking about um, about this being a truly community led process, it's that you are the leader. You are the leader that can say, "This is the statement that I want to make," or "This is the experience that I want others in my community to have," and come to us for for support. We're here to support you however we can or to help connect you with another partner that might help to uplift the experience that you're wanting um, um, to highlight during that week. Um, so it's really, it's a continual growing process um, and learning process. And we want everyone um, to feel like this, that they have a, that they have a place here when it comes to welcoming week. Um, and it's not for any specific groups. It's for, it truly is for everyone. It's so interesting. Belonging. I mean, is there a, there is a quantitative way, right? That we can measure belonging. It's somewhat ephemeral. It's, it, you, you know, when it's happening or not happening to you individually, can you have metrics to measure how belonging we are? Monica Kumar is nodding enthusiastically. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. This is something that we're really, um, we're really considering. So the American Immigration Council actually has released a belonging barometer. And we're thinking about how to utilize that um, in our community next year. Uh, so really belonging is about the fit between yourself 
and and your community and and what's around you you know and when you feel like you belong you feel emotionally connected you feel welcomed you feel included you feel satisfied in your community and you also feel comfortable and included and like you belong enough to be accountable to be held accountable and to call your community out when you're not feeling those things and you should feel really safe to do those things so belonging is is actually a very real very deep um very com- connective experience with your community with each other and then you know with with society at large and so we are really thinking about the belonging barometer the american immigration council has identified 10 facets of what that could look like and invited um on the ground organizations like us to take that and think about what does that look like in your region and tweak it and and make it you know it's malleable so use it in your region to or in your community in a way that makes sense so we we are really um we do want to measure belonging because we don't want it to feel ephemeral and we don't want it to feel like um it's kind of squishy because it's not um you know that that it's very clear that belonging has very has a very um centered and um experiential feeling that people have and we want to measure that and we want to we want to encourage organizations and companies and even individuals and nonprofits to not just invite people to belong but to invite people to tell them when they don't feel like they belong. And what can we do to, to do better? What can we do to make people feel like they belong? And one of the ways we do that is by measuring at different, different times, different spaces um, to, to understand that. Well, let's talk about some of the events because the launch is on Friday, September 8th. What can we, what can we expect from there? <laughs> well, number one, a lot of fun. Um, this event, we had this event last year and it was so much fun. It was so exciting to bring everybody together for this event, you know, where we're, you know, we're launched. It's the kickoff. You bring all this energy, all this excitement, all of these wonderful people together with new people and people who have, you know, been doing this work for years. And we're all coming together to celebrate how this, you know, this, welcoming and 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 belonging in the work that everyone's doing um so i will let monica speak to um our keynote speaker um but we are going to be hearing from community partners community supporters about why why are they doing this why is this important to them and why you know why are they here and why are they choosing to participate it was very moving last year to hear people's people speak to that and i anticipate it will be this year as well. But Monica, do you want to share some more about that? Yeah, for sure. We, you know, we're really excited. So every year, I think, um, as we mentioned earlier, we're always thinking about who are we missing and how can we build inclusion intentionally? And that's why we've kind of taken it slowly because we don't just want to invite people in without building a foundation of, of a sense of, you know, there's a space for you here and there's purpose here. And this year, we're really excited. We have a keynote speaker, Victor Calise, um, who's a director um, over at um, the uh, with the uh, diversity team at Walmart, and he's going to be speaking on disability rights and accessibility. And this is the first time that we've leaned into that, and we're really excited about having him join us. And um, and it's very intentional that he's going to be opening the conversation because this year we, you know, we have not in the past thought, of, um, you know we have not in the past had the bandwidth to to think about how do we um, engage the accessibility and our, um, and, um, our disability community. Um, 
And this year we want to intentionally do that. So we want to start that conversation. Um, and so, yeah, Victor is going to be, we're really excited that he's going to be keynoting. Um, but we have, and then we're, you know, I think one of the things that we want to do with our launch is really let our community know who in our community um, supports inclusion and welcoming. And we are so excited that we have, um, you know, we have ACOM uh, speaking to um, a cultural training that they're going to be doing for our community, which we think is really important, which is the Arkansas Coalition of Marshallese. Uh, we have Ocean Wave dancers who are going to be performing. And then we're inviting our, our supporters, um, people who have been with us from the beginning and continue to show support without whom we could not do this work. Um, we're inviting them to, to share what what is welcoming and belonging mean to them and their organization but truly this we want it to be an opportunity where individuals share about what it means for them um so we're really lucky that our sponsors are gonna are gonna um maybe be a little bit vulnerable and show themselves in a different way from from that we normally see there's no way we can highlight everything and at the end of this we'll give the tag to where people can see everything but margo what else would you or monica what else would you want to make sure people know about that's coming up during Welcoming Week? You know, over the past year, we've done a lot of listening. And obviously, we we are connecting with our community partners throughout the year and, and learning from them. And one of the things that has been really um, painful for us to hear is that our queer community, our LGBTQ um, friends and family, are feeling incredibly um, isolated and um and othered right now in our community, despite everything that we want to think we're doing to make them feel included. Um, and of course, they're not a monolith. So this is not an experience that everybody is having, but we are hearing an overwhelming um, experience of othering in that community. And this year, we were really lucky that we had um, a supporter that that really feels for that and, and has given us um, the support and the resources to to think to lean into that. So we um, have invited Casey Parks, who is a Washington Post reporter and also an author of Diary of a Misfit, um, and also queer. Um, she is she's kind of been on her her own journey, and um, she reports on LGBTQ and queer issues across across the country, but she's from the South. And so she understands that we have a very particular nuanced um, conversation and perspective here and lens. And she's going to be um, speaking. We have a, an amazing evening with her on September 13th. I invite everybody to go onto the website and um, register for it. It's free. We just, we just invite registration to track numbers. Um, but uh, she's going to be doing a book signing and she's going to be speaking to her experience. Um, and her book is part memoir, part, um, you know, part um, story about a trans person in Louisiana in her grandmother's community, Roy Higgins. So um, I highly invite people to that. And then the other one that I am real, I mean, I'm excited about everything, but I would be remiss if I did not mention that on September 14th, um, Arkansas Immigrant Defense is uh, holding a convening that focuses on um, 
what does it mean to be an immigrant? What, is, what does DACA look like in our community, especially in light of the SCOTUS decision that will be coming out at the end of the year? So we have some incredible um, expert speakers that are coming in for that. Um, Karen Tumlin, who works for um, the Justice Action Center, is going to be speaking. Um, the executive director of Welcome America, Rachel Perrick, will be keynoting. Um, so we're very excited about that. Again, it's free. We just invite you to register on the website so that we can track numbers. But there's a myriad of events um, that are family friendly. We try and keep them as low barrier or you know, ideally free as possible. So we there's something for everyone. And we really invite you to, to go onto the website at welcomingweeknwa.org and, and, and participate, engage. We want to see you out there. Monica Kumar is a belonging and inclusion strategist with Engage NWA, and Margot Lamaster is executive director of Engage NWA. As Monica mentioned, you can find out more and register for events at welcomingweeknwa.org. We spoke yesterday via Zoom. This is Ozarks at Large. It's the first day of September. I can't think of a better way to start a new month than asking for entertainment advice from Becca Martin-Brown, arts and entertainment editor for the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Becca, welcome back to the show. I got you covered. Okay. I know Labor Day is supposed to be all about going outdoors, going to the lake, going hiking, going picnicking, going to a Razorback game. I don't really do outdoors if I can help it. So this is... (laughs) A completely indoor alternative, and it's completely free, except the last two things. Okay. All right. Okay. Crystal Bridges Museum. They're open 10 to 8 today, 10 to 5, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So it gives you a Labor Day offering. Mm -hmm. And they have things on show like Flags for Discussion which is about the United States flag across time, Dear Friend, which is an exhibition of artworks created by Lee Grant and community members that they're made from letters, like letters written to themselves, to other people. They have Human One, which is the kinetic sculpture by Beeple, and every single bit of that is free. Okay, so so far you've got us in air conditioning and spending no money. Or you can go to the Momentary just down the street and around the corner. They're open 11 to 8 Saturday and 10 to 6 on Sunday. And they have an exhibition by Yvette Mayorga called What a Time to Be. It combines images of family, found objects, 90s nostalgia, Midwest life, and her signature pink and frosted style to talk about the meaning of belonging. And the exhibit by Farley Baez which is a huge walkthrough sculptural thing that talks about the ideas and the influence between Europe and Africa and the Americas and the Caribbean. And the New York Times called it History Meets Flamboyant Fantasy. Ah, That's spot on. I like that. Also free. Or there is the unsung gem of Bentonville, the Museum of Native American History. Mm Mm-hmm 
which has so much to see. You could stay there for a week and not see it all. They're open today and Saturday, 11 to 5. You can also, while you're there, I think there's a small fee for it, go arrowhead hunting at the teepee outside if you insist on going outside. Or you can go to the Rogers Historical Museum, which is open 11 to 4 today and Saturday. You take the kids to the Rogers Historical Museum and the Museum of Native American History both on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Because the Rogers Historical Museum has an exhibit called Toys Well Played. Again, all free. Shiloh Museum of Ozark History in Springdale. Open 11 to 5 today and Saturday. Also open 11 to 5 on Monday. Oh, okay. I'll open on Labor Day. They have so many things you could stay there two weeks and not see them all. When they redid their galleries over the last few years, everything is really object dense. There's so much to see. There's textiles and there's accessories and there's tools and there's equipment and there's books and there's maps and there's documents and there's photos and all of it about Benton Moon, Carroll, Madison, Newton, and Washington counties. Mm -hmm. And then if you're in the River Valley... The Fort Smith Regional Art Museum is open 11 to 5 today and Saturday, 1 to 5 on Sunday, not open Monday. But they've got this cool new exhibit of the work of John Bell Jr., the big name in art in Fort Smith. They also have Patsy Lane cast in bronze, Mm -hmm. which is very much what you think of as Western bronzes. And M. Spear, an artist's journey, which is basically the 60-year history of an artist named Margaret Spear Carter. And it's all free. And so here's the last, but definitely not least, two things. These come with a teeny, itty-bitty charge. Okay. Sunday is time for the annual ice cream social at Fort Smith Museum of History. An all-you-can-eat Sunday bar from 1 to 3 on Sunday. (laughs) That's so dangerous. And it only costs $8 for adults. $4 for kids 6 to 15 and free for younger than that. (laughs) And it includes museum admission. And you can see the new exhibit by Latino artists Isaac Helgura and Mayer Linares. Oh, I butchered both of those. And this includes museum admission and ice cream. Or for the genuine couch potatoes among us, you can see the world and never leave home. How's this? If you missed the Fort Smith International Film Festival, oh right, the virtual Fort Smith International Film Festival is this Saturday from ten in the morning till eleven at night. You pay one ten dollar fee and see a ton of movies. If that doesn't keep you busy this weekend, I don't know what to tell you. I can tell you that Becca Martin Brown is the. Arts and Entertainment Editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Becca, we'll meet up again next week. How's that? What a deal. This weekend on the Vinyl Hour, we sit down with Kenny Kemp to talk about Dennis Pop and Sharon Studios, the Swedish production house famous for creating the new sound of American boy bands and pop stars in the late 90s and early 2000s. There's like a Swedish tradition or mindset kind of of like scanning the whole globe and taking things from multiple countries and repurposing it or repackaging it. So they were able to combine the big melodies of rock 
and heavy metal songs. And then they combine that with the beats and the melodies and the rhythms of hip hop and R&B. And that was how they came up with like Swedish pop, which is, it's not even like Swedish pop, it's just that was the birth of modern pop. Like in the 90s, United States pop music was like soulful, R&B, it was hip hop, boys to men, Jana Jackson, Mariah Carey. And then all of a sudden, two boy bands came out and then Britney Spears came out and it was like, no one was doing anything like that. No one had heard anything like that. And it was the birth of the modern pop music and even more specifically, the like subgenre of bubblegum pop. That's coming up this Saturday at five on KUAM. Arts Live, the Fayetteville-based youth theater company, is celebrating its 40th season. Like anything with 40 years of existence, things have changed over time. Years ago, Arts Live featured professional actors creating theater for young audiences. Now, the Arts Live production actors are exclusively young actors. This week, Julie Gable, Education Director at Arts Live, came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio to get us up to date on the 40th season. She says there will be classes, there will be workshops, 10 full productions, and a few mini-productions. Which are just 20-minute little pop-up shows. This year we're doing The Wizard of Oz and Peter Rabbit. We are, and we go to some of our partner, partnering entities like uh, the Amazium, and we're also figuring out the programming schedule for some of the others. But, um, but they'll do like three shows in a row, twenty minutes and a break, and and do that. So um, those are something that we've done uh, the last couple of years that people have just really loved, and the kids, um, the kids love it too because they get to go elsewhere and perform as. Um, outside of just the arts live. So let's talk about classes. Right. And, and, and classes can be for young people who think they want to pursue this, but it can just be for, quote, Absolutely. for fun. Absolutely. It's just, and a nice introduction to, this is something I might want to be interested in, you know. And a lot of times we get from a parent, my child is very dramatic, <laughs> and I think this might be a nice outlet for them. And so it's a nice little uh, way for them to, to try that out. We start at four years old. Wow. Right. We have classes. They're shorter. We have 30-minute sure. classes for four- and five-year-olds. Then it goes up to six and eight, nine and 12, and then our teenagers. And um, the, the class time is 50 minutes for the others, for the other classes. And... Um, uh, we do eight weeks in a row. We start this year, we're, uh, this fall, we're starting in September on the 18th. That week, we run for eight weeks, and um, it's an hour or 50 minutes, or if it's young children, 30 minutes a week. And um, they, at the end, there's some sort of showcase or sharing that they do for their families to show them what did we learn in this class? What did we work on? What was the fun stuff? And And number one, I want the kids to have a fabulous experience and enjoy um, making new friends um, and just coming together communally with um, with uh, with Arts Live. We don't have time for all ten productions that are going to happen in the next year, but what are the first few? The the first one that we have coming up is 
a, um, an adaptation of A Midsummer Night's Dream that Jennifer Nisbet Eck is adapting the, the script and directing it. And that is our first show this season. And it goes up at Arts Live in September. Um, we also, within, we have our many productions that I talked about. And we also, our musicals this year, the fall musical or winter musical is Elf the Musical. <laughs> yeah, very fun. We love Buddy. And then in the spring, we are doing Madagascar. So those are the, those are the musicals we're going to do. We're also doing a more serious um, uh, script, which is Anne Frank and Me. Right. And Jason Sewell will be directing that. Oh, wow. And that is about a girl who goes back in time and experiences what it's like to be a, um, a victim of the... Uh, of the Holocaust era. One thing I've noticed, you mentioned Jason, of course, Mark Landon Smith, your colleague there, and you and the other people who work there, you have such respect for these young people. I mean, you don't talk down to them. I've seen you rehearse. And I think perhaps partly all three of you were, I'm assuming, young, creative people. But like having the Teen Advisory Council, you don't see your partners here is lesser or less adult. I mean, you know, they're, they're so interesting. Uh, one of the things that I, I, a piece of advice I got from when I was in a, um, an elementary education major was that one of my professors said, um, remember what you wanted and what you wanted to say mm. when you were young. And that kind of, that really empowered me as an adult, remembering that, is that I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to know everything. It's really about us growing together with our young people and um, us teaching what we know. But it's also, as far as being received, we, we need to make sure that we are um, respecting and fulfilling uh, their needs as well. And, you know, kids are are brilliant. <laughs> They're so smart and receptive. And um, I direct adults. I direct children. And the, somebody asked me the other day, you know, you know, with the difference, I said, you know, kids, they really want to learn. They, they are really desiring to learn. And I, I love that process of working with them and figuring it out. Like I said, I don't have all the answers. But if you're willing to play with me and we can figure this out to, you know, as a as a group, you know, let's see what what uh, what sticks to the wall. Let's see what what's working. And then it's like, "Oh, yeah. Well, that 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 didn't quite work this time. Let's try something else." So, that'll play off more in life, too, right? Absolutely. Whether you're an actor or in theater, you're going to have to have that ability to to figure things out absolutely critical and thinking the the your actors they can see you on stage because you're a professional actor mm -hmm. i don't know if how many are old enough to see killers of the flower moon when it goes into wide release but mark landon smith cast in that the scorsese right. film jason sewell on television every day do you think that adds something to to your act young actors to be able to see you on stage in television or movies you know i i do uh, because I think it it 
if nothing else, I think it validates that, you know, the, the, as performers, that it's not just this thing out there that I may never do as an adult. It's like these adults are performing all over the place. And this is something that I might want to do now and I might want to keep doing. And I could even do it up in through adulthood. So it it makes a it makes it I don't like to use this word, but normal. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it gives a normalcy to it. Um, and uh, uh, an achievability. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. that's that's more, that's a better and it goes beyond just being on stage, right? Oh, absolutely. That we have we have opportunities to if anybody is interested in any kind of like theater design or being backstage to help. We have kids that love to like be assistant directors and love to learn that um, lighting design, costume design, set design, all of those things. Um, if you think you even might be interested in that, just and you don't see anything that you think is going to fit within that, give us a call. Okay. Because there are always opportunities to fit in some of that within a production. Because we, I've had kids, you know, they're, well, their brother isn't really interested in being on stage, but he thinks lighting might be kind of fun. Well, let's get him in yeah. here. And um, John Lang, who was an Arts Live kid, he is now a theater student in lighting at the University of Arkansas. And he has come back to us and has been working with us with some light design. And um, it's great to have him mentor kids that were his age when he was in Arts Live. You know, I just love that, that we have kids just growing up in in the troops. Julie Gable is the Education Director at Arts Live. The theater company is embarking on its 40th season this fall. You can find out more at artslivetheater.com. And Julie says you can just stop by the Arts Live Theater at 818 North Sang in Fayetteville. Startling scenes from the Capitol riot presented at former President Trump's impeachment trial. They make a difference to Republicans who support him. Also... We'll talk to the writer and director of I'll Meet You There, a movie about being caught between two cultures and two worlds. Those stories, plus the news, Saturday and weekend edition from NPR News. Tomorrow morning from 7 to 9 on KUAF. Tuesday on Ozarks at Large, a quarterly review. Many of us who work on the show picked one of our favorite stories or interviews from the past three months. We've been recruiting landlords, and uh, we actually got more vouchers out there this year than we had last year. So of the landowners we have, I'm not seeing them drop the voucher program. All right, now let us unveil the marker. And right now, our highest demand, the kits that we need the most, are our twin bedding kits, adult bedding kits, and our Welcome to NWA kits. I was not even aware of the original ordinance until the trouble began. A quarterly review in case you missed some of our favorites or just wanted to hear them again. That's Tuesday at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF. You can also ask your smart speaker to please play KUAF. It's the Community Spotlight on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. We're in the Nancy Blair Operation Studio today. 
with Trent Jones, Director of Communications at Springdale Public Schools. How are you? Hey, good to see you, Pete. Thank you very much for the opportunity to come here and talk with you about our event. Okay, the 2023 Back to School Rally is coming up. This is a free event for Springdale School students, staff, and families. It's quite an honor uh, to have as many great people in the Springdale Schools as we do. We have about 22,000 students, uh, about 3,000 employees, 31 schools. And so when you really think about that's larger than a lot of communities in the state of Arkansas. And so uh, this back to school rally is a way for all of us to get together, celebrate each other, celebrate all the good stuff that happens in public schools, uh, particularly in Springdale Public Schools. September 13th at Arvest Ballpark, uh, y'all have acquired 10,000 tickets, That's so right. there's plenty, I'm sure, to go around. Describe what the what the evening will be like. At 6 o'clock is when the rally will begin, and we'll bring out arts, academics, athletics, workforce. Uh, we'll celebrate teachers and students, uh, and they'll come out on the field, and it'll be a rally. Nice. So it'll be um, our pep squads, our band squads, uh, and we'll celebrate, and it's just a lot of interactive fun. And then what's really cool is right after that, Baseball. Uh, the Northwest Arkansas Naturals take on the Arkansas Travelers. That's, I mean, that's the rivalry, that's right? That's it. Yeah. So it's really just a fun night. Um, there'll be free train rides uh, for the kids. There's a playground. Um, and really just get together. Uh, our superintendent has a great phrase that he uses. Uh, he says that public school is the heartbeat of a community. Agreed. And when you look at the community of Springdale and really all of Northwest Arkansas, we have really, really strong schools. Um, and it's really important for our families to know that they're connected to us and that they're engaged uh, and that we care about them. And so this is one way to do it. You know, come and celebrate and watch some baseball and have fun. We want to pack out RFS Ballpark September 13th. Again, plenty of tickets for uh, Springdale School students, staff, and families. Speaking with Trent Jones, Director of Communications there at Springdale Public Schools. It's not just families and students. We want our employees there. So a lot of people, when you think about uh, public school, you think about principals and teachers, rightfully so. They're very, very important. But there's this whole world of people in a, in a school district. A team that has Oh, to... yes. The lunch, HVAC, maintenance, janitors. I mean, you go bus drivers, you go on and on and on. And we want them to come. Bring your family. And let's just celebrate being together. Springdale Schools, uh, a lot of pride there, and I can see why. Again, that free event taking place at Arvest Ballpark, September 13th, and uh, they really don't have all that many more ball games to go, so uh, there you go. Great opportunity. Uh, Trent Jones, Director of Communications, thanks so much. Thank you. We really appreciate all the work you guys do. The Community Spotlight on KUAF Public Radio. Your voice matters. I'm Pete Hartman. You can send me an email. That's Pete at KUAF.com. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Springdale, and Hackett. Contributors to our program today included Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics, Becca Martin-Brown from the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Pete Hartman with the Community Spotlight. Additional reporting today came from the news staff at Little Rock Public Radio. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. I'll be back with you Sunday at 9 for a Labor Day weekend edition of Ozarks at Large. Tuesday, we'll have our quarterly review show. We've picked some of our favorite pieces on the show from the past three months. We return to brand new programs on Wednesday at noon and 7. I'm Kyle Kellams. Thanks for being here. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art in Bentonville invites guests to discover American art, architecture, and 120 acres of Ozark nature. 
Visitors can also enjoy family activities and programs and a variety of food and drink experiences. General admission is always open to the public. More information at crystalbridges.org.